Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Utter, utter shock. Andrew Luck retirement level shock. NFL games, I guess, you know, you expect the unexpected, the Hollywood script. Hell, we saw it on Sunday Night Football. The NFL is king, and it's why we love it. But absolutely stunned by that result yesterday, and the Colts season comes to an end. 25 to, what was it, 26 to 11, 11, maybe? yeah. I'm Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley across the way, back, another edition of Kevin's Corner. Unfortunately, the offseason is here for this podcast, and more importantly for all you listeners, you couldn't care less about that. Uh, The Colts offseason is here. Um, Just stunned, man. I, you know, nearly 24 hours have passed, and I'm just sitting here like, how, what, did that just happen? Um. We aren't going to do what I liked, what I didn't like. We're just going to go brief overall thoughts on the game, Chris, and then get into Twitter questions. Mm-hmm. Sitting there watching the game, zero stress in the world. Went to Fan Fest over the convention center before the game. Fun, nice. you know, running into a bunch of Georgia fans and whatnot. Just chilling. Rosie fell asleep in the car. <laughs> you know, she goes down for a nap, this and that. I'm settling in there. And I see the coverage they play on Marvin Jones on the first third down. First, yeah, first third and not not just third and long, first third down. It was like a third and 11, third and 12. And I'm like, what the? I'm like, what? What I mean, that was softer than soft. And I'm like, the only way this becomes a game is if you give Jacksonville hope. You give them life. And lo and behold, the... Biggest issue this defense has had in the Matt Eberflus era, alive and well on that opening drive, Trevor Lawrence, rhythm, confidence, rhythm, confidence, big third down, big third down. Marvin Jones, their guy, I mean, their their top guy, right? uh, making big catch after big catch. And I just, when that drive finished off, I'm thinking to myself, oh, wow, that just set the tone for maybe this to be, I'm not paying attention to, other games for seeding purposes in the 3 o'clock hour. And the rest is history. Um, to me, it's the most embarrassing loss in franchise history, Chris. The fact that you were this 15-point favorite, and then you just got your ass kicked in every single facet of the game to a team that had just lost by 40 points yeah. the week before, man. I'm uh, I'm at a loss of words, to be honest. It, it, it's so annoying <clears throat> First off, Matt Eberflus probably owes you a, a ton of diapers from your statement last week. Gosh, yeah. For those that missed it, I did say I I had the Colts win a forty-two to three. I I, I couldn't be more wrong, more wrong. And uh, I said if the Colts lose, I will change every one of Rosie's diapers in twenty twenty-two. Luckily, my wife is a saint, <laughs> and nor, I don't think she was tuning in, but I did tell her that during the game yesterday. And let's just say the first couple diapers. After uh, that loss, whew, they were extra spicy. So, uh, yeah, Rosie definitely was like, watch this, Dad. It's just, you and, and you put up an article again, as you guys all do. You follow Kevin on Twitter. 
you put up how many different quarterbacks have had record games against the Colts. I mean, it was almost hilarious to, in my head. I'm like, wow, he's playing as good as Gardner Minshew. <laughs> right, yeah. Like the fact that you say Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick in the draft, is playing as good as Gardner Minshew, who, not to take anything away from him, that's just how bad the Colts defense is against Jacksonville, and I don't get it. You know, two was it two touchdowns since Halloween Trevor Lawrence had thrown for? Um, I mean, hell, his first incompletion yesterday, Chris, was midway through the second quarter. I mean, a third of the game passed. And, and that was, was and it was a dime. Right. That was a great ball down the sideline, and you could argue that was a drop. Um, and, like, I watched that game and think to myself, Jacksonville's thoroughly beating down the Colts, and yet they still look like Jacksonville in so many facets. Mm-hmm. They coached scared. They didn't go for, like, the fourth and ones, fourth and twos. They kicked a bunch of field goals. Right. They had drops, important drops. Wide receiver false start. Fumble luck didn't go their way. I mean, the ball kind of bounced the Colts' way on a couple of those fumbles as well. Um, man, and your greatest strength letting you down, the offensive line. Supposedly, your your greatest strength. Um, you know, Taylor, 18 yards on eight carries in the first half. Obviously getting nothing going there. And then we've talked about it all season long. The passing offense was there was a blanket being put over it by other areas, mm-hmm. by Jonathan Taylor, by Darius Leonard's fumbles. It was there, though, and that blanket got pulled out just a little bit against the Raiders, so more people started to see it, and then you just pantsed it on Sunday in that loss. The interception by Wentz, absolutely horrific. I, a first and ten, you know, the, way too many times this season they've had those first and ten just like big, there's no business needing to make, I mean, still two possession game, just eat it. Right. No need to make that throw. And my worry here, and obviously we'll get into Wentz more, is Chris, the Arizona game, hell of a play. Outside of that, more often than not, in those moments, he's folded. And think about those moments. He hasn't even experienced the playoffs yet. Nine snaps, that's it in his career. Like, he hasn't even been to the peak of the pressure mountain in the NFL. So if he's acting like that, in these games, mm-hmm. what is he going to be like in one-and-done football? Uh, the third and 20 missed to Pittman. You know, Pittman gets his hands on it, probably should have caught that ball. But I go back to that second and 20, where there was a clean enough pocket early on. In second and 20, your mindset is chip away. Yeah, just get some get some yards. Right, nothing crazy there. And he's got Pascal down the seam mm-hmm. that goes for an easy 10 or 15, probably a lot more than that. And just the recognition. Yeah. Like I've watched Carson Wentz play football this year, Chris, and while physically I worry about his fundamentals, I'm more worried about him mentally. That's fair. Recognizing things. Is that scar tissue in Philly just hard to truly get away? Because at the end of the day, you strap on the helmet and you take off the red jersey, and it's football. Like, that I think is concerning to me. Um, and I, I just didn't love... I didn't love T.Y. Hilton laughing on the bench late. I didn't love Darius Leonard clapping after he gets that personal foul penalty. Yeah. Kenny Moore, I've seen the last two weeks of the year, the Kenny Moore that I think has been kidnapped. I'm like, who? Who is that guy? That's not the Kenny Moore I know. You know, Buckner obviously banged up, but. Yeah, when, Wednesday's going to be a tough one. I, I, I actually probably will not watch Hard Knocks on Wednesday. Yeah, I'm curious to see how in-depth they go. I think it'll be more somber than, like, angry. I tend to think it'll be like that. But we'll obviously have to see how it plays out. Um, Chris, again, I'm just at a loss. The contract extensions for that. 
That yeah. is what I kept on coming back to at Grand Park in August when it was announced. I'll never forget it. I'm sitting there. I think it was during a break that we found out that the contract extensions happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Brendan King and I, and that obviously for Chris Powell and Frank Wright. And I laughed. I'm like, what? Five-year extension, whatever they were? Like, for for what? I mean, in no way, shape, or form did either of those resumes indicate that you needed to hand them that, hand them that. And now my worry is this. Does that creep into decision-making? Well, here's the thing also. We're recording this at 1120 right now, a.m., Monday morning. After all the GM and coaching fires this morning, it's not like you're going to go get anybody else, right? So, yeah, I, it, I, I would, I would agree with that. There's um, just there's so much turnover right now. Like it's Black Monday in the NFL. Other than trying to get Flores or hopefully Zimmer, maybe possibly. I mean, yeah, where do we go? You know, Chris. What's also frustrating? It's easy to easy division, extra playoff spot. You know, two interim coaches to end the year that you're facing. Yeah. You're favored by a combined what? Twenty three points, mm-hmm. seven and a half and fifteen and a half. Like you couldn't have had it more on a platter for you. And it just sucks as I, I feel for fans out there. You know, you're gonna watch wildcard football Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and for so long we thought it was going to happen, it was a layup to happen, and here you are. Um, the season is a failure, and it's a failure for multiple reasons. The first being the biggest question that we had entering this year is Carson Wentz the answer? To me, it is a no. But the bigger question is, or the bigger issue with that is, it's left unanswered. It's definitely not a yes, but. I can at least listen to people say it's not 100% a no. Mm-hmm. That means you're in quarterback pur- purgatory. Well, you don't have a first-round pick. And a lot of people would say you're financially obligated to wince for another year. So does that delay it? Do you get to 2023 and then say, all right, we're done with wince? Well, now Jonathan Taylor's at the end of his rookie deal. Now DeForest Buckner's one year closer to 30. Now Darius Leonard's one year closer to 30. You know, you- you're starting to get into those sorts of things. And then obviously it's a failure just from the standpoint of missing the playoffs and um, finishing eighth in the AFC. You know that is an average. You, you are an. Av- I mean, you couldn't be more average than than that. So right. I think that's where you fall into the failure of a season of the trifecta of no answer on wins, miss the playoffs, no first round pick was the worst case scenario, and lo and behold, on January tenth, here we yeah. go. And it's tough, and we're going to have all offseason to talk about these types of things. One last time, let's just go back to the game itself. What are your overall thoughts on the game? Yeah, I, I don't want to hit on it too long, Chris. Again, I thought the start set the tone. Um, I thought the sequence to end the first half there. You had an opportunity, get the ball late half, get the ball start of the third quarter, and then Jacksonville actually scored three on you to end the first half. You, you, you weren't able. I think you went three and out, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right there. Uh, and then to start the third quarter, Beautiful ball by Wentz to hit Taylor in stride on that third down conversion. And then the very next play, Braden Smith blown assignment. And Wentz tries to be a hero. And finally, the shovel catches up to him. Mm-hmm. Um, there you are. And I thought at that point, at that point I was like, 
I've never heard Maddie Bowen yell at the TV that loud of like, are we going to lose? Like, <laughs> one of those. And I'm like, I think so. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, just like, <sighs> yeah, dude. Uh, again, I'm at a loss of, loss for words. Um, embarrassing. The most embarrassing loss in franchise history, in my opinion. Yeah. And now the questions that we'll get to right now and continue to get to throughout the offseason are fair to be asked, and we'll try to answer them as best we can. And for those that are listening to this, we're going to hear from Frank Reich here in about a couple hours, recording this late Monday, and then Chris Ballard. Usually he talks late in the week, you know, following the season-ending loss. We'll see how that plays out. Still no word yet on him. Yeah. All right, we're going to start from across the pond with a question from Daniel. He said a bunch of the people in the U.K., the Colts fans, met up in London to hopefully celebrate us making the playoffs. They drank enough to make it feel like it was a bad dream. His question is, will anyone be held accountable for that loss? Daniel, I'm sorry. Imagine that, Chris. 7 o'clock kick, you know, Sunday, you know, feeling good. Now you're waking up with a bloody hangover. You know, <laughs> I mean, just come on. Uh, nightmare in Jacksonville. You know, accountability. Uh, it's a word that I often think is not acted upon enough at 56th Street. Ursay's words have been so different in this regime. So much patience, so much practicing of that, so much process, and we're going to follow it and all that. So I don't see it initially, but then the more I've thought about it late last night and into today, I also think Ursay understands the magnitude of yesterday. Like, he's not aloof and distant from, like, the, oh, man, that's a bummer we lost to end the season. Like, he knows how bad Jacksonville is. He knows the opportunity that the Colts blew. Um, If you're going to put a gun to my head and say, will anyone be held accountable? I'm going to say no, but I'm not maybe as firm in the sand as some of my other colleagues. Um, And, again, when I say accountable, I think – any form or fashion, there is a Ballard, Reich, Wentz, Eberflus, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of the big four maybe you would throw in there. Um, so when you throw those four in there, I think there's I think there is a chance that, that one of them is not in that current post next season. Now, that might be wishful thinking on my part, and I might be doing what West 56 does, and that's a lot of hope, and that's, that's a lot of wishful thinking, and not enough action with that. But I've probably come around on that answer a little bit more than I was 8 o'clock last night. I was probably pretty firm in the sand 8 o'clock last night that I'd be I'd be stunned if it was Ballard and Reich. And I'm not necessarily saying that Ballard and Reich should be fired. Like, I, I don't um, – I need a little bit more time to kind of think about it and really see what options are out there. But when you get into Wentz and Eberflus, it's interesting. Yeah. I was also interested in uh... – just a quick side note, Gene Steratore saying that the in, uh, uh, unconventional forward pass motion, like that's kind of something that I never really thought about, the way Mahomes does things, and now you're going to have to kind of play into the fact that, is that a throw? Was he trying to throw the ball? Yeah, I thought him and Archuleta had a really good back and forth there about like, you know, are you judging intent? Right. You know, it, it, could he have easily have realized, oh, shit, last second, he's going to pull it back. Like, that is something that I feel like is such a slippery slope there. So I did think that 
Um, Archuleta and him had a pretty good debate on that. Obviously, Gene knows letter of the law really well, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think he does a great job with that. But, you know, Chris, could it have gone either way? Sure. Did you get your freaking ass kicked in every single facet and deserve yeah. to lose that game and have your season end? Yeah. All right, Kevin, this one comes from Kit. Wow, we played like Dookie Water, and he is not wrong. Do that again. Dookie Water? Dookie Water. Hmm. That is this what happens? Like some of the diapers I was changing yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, get ready for him. Is this what happens when your defense depends on takeaways? That is the main question from Kit. Yeah, Kit. Uh, obviously, that that disappeared yesterday. Um, you know, it's just not a defense that naturally gets off the field. And boy, I keep on going back to that first third down, Chris. And I just thought that set the tone. It get you know, hell, I probably would have taken the football to start the game yesterday. Like, it's one of those things, if you go down there and pound Taylor down their throat to start the game, true, score on them, now they're playing from behind, and they're thinking, oh, boy, did I check in for my flight tomorrow to Aruba? <laughs> you know, like, did my agent do that for me? Like, right. You know, that sort of feel to it. But, yeah, I, I have had issues with this defense and their ability to naturally disrupt timing. And when I say naturally, I mean, because, I mean, let's be honest with the turnovers, Chris. How much of it is just Darius Leonard being a freak? A maniac. Right. right. I mean, so yeah. much of it. Um, the Colts just don't get their hands on enough balls, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, now, again, I know the turnover numbers are eye-popping, but I just think Leonard plays such, such a role in that. Yeah, and with Rock going out, I mean, it's not like our corners have played ex- exceptional all year. No. Yes, I mean, you were down corners. I still thought your scheme and your approach early in that game. Hell, when Rock was in there on the first third down of the game, I was like, what the? Yeah. All right, this is from Wake Spike. We pulled Fisher early in the early in the fourth quarter. Often seemed to start working. Why did we not pull him sooner? And he's an, is and is he the next Trent Richardson in terms of we're forcing a player to play when we're paying him a lot, but he's not necessarily ready for the game yet. Happier human being to see that loss yesterday than Ryan Grigson. Oh God. <laughs> you know, I mean, geez, can you, I mean. He had to be just going nuts. Um, I, you know, I always thought, like, it was, again, you know, how much of this w- is wishful thinking that Fisher was going to be the guy at the midway point of the season or late in the year? Um, you know, I'm not going to go Trent Richardson on him. Um, that, that seems a bit harsh. I'm fascinated to see what they do at left tackle. Fascinated. Yeah. You know, do you really think Fisher's going to make that? Second year Achilles jump that you know guys can make. Um, is this it? You know, is he reached the age of thirty and the Achilles is just too decimating of an injury? And obviously the Charles Leno safe pick looks a whole lot better than where you're at right now with with Fisher. Um, I don't think I was as much like you got to sign Leno and not Fisher camp. I keep on coming back to the mistakes and past drafts of not having anyone else in house that you would feel comfortable with when the Costanzo retirement happened. And then, you know, kind of in, uh, in, in in scramble mode. Next one comes from Conroy. Honestly, what in the hell is it with us playing in Jacksonville that has this organization so shook? It is the Jags. Man. Dude, I you see that Jumbotron video yesterday of the Jags fan? No. Okay, so they do a little trivia with what looks like a nice, innocent Jag fan woman. Okay. Um, so whatever, you know. On this date in 2003, this 
Jags player ran for, you know, 150 yards against the Colts. Maurice Jones-Drew, Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor. You know, blah, blah, blah. And she literally goes, C, fire Trent Baalke. Oh, no. Live, Jumbotron, top three funniest things I've ever seen on the Jumbotron. (laughs) And I mean, little smile. I mean, just like perfect. Like you couldn't pay an actor or actress in this case more money. And I'm just thinking there, like you lost to that. I mean, I tweeted out some faint, some clown pictures after the game. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I don't believe in curses, but there might be one there. That's just nuts. And I know Pat McAfee on his Twitter tried to buffer it a little bit and say, well, one was in London, but 2014. Dude. And, and you know, I was trying to, so many people asked me and certainly did it last week. Why can't the Colts why can't the Colts win down there? The one constant, well, I guess two constants, has been they turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. I believe yesterday was two turnovers and all six losses in Jacksonville. So there is one. And then the other is their D line has whipped your O line in virtually every single one of these matchups. And it happened again yesterday. And, like, I'm thinking to myself, your O-line, one of the few times all year your O-line had all five healthy guys practicing all three days last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you know, and it's not like, I mean, Josh Allen's a great player, but no one else on that Jags right. D-line strikes fear into you. And, and that was, I mean, they shut down Taylor in the first half, and then they got after you like none other. And Wentz's ability to recognize pressure and identify that. And um, yesterday I thought it was the most O-line breakdowns you had. In that realm, but just a disaster, man. Yeah. Jacksonville, of all places. There were so many Colts fans there. So many. And they left defeated. Gosh, man. Incredible. David wants to know when Reich will be held accountable for games. He understands that Carson Wentz was put into a situation to fail, or he believes so. The team looked like it walked into the game like they already had lost. There was no energy again like we've had for back-to-back weeks. You have seven Pro Bowlers going against a two-win Jags team, and they had to have known that the Jags were coming from blood. Terrible loss for the Colts. You know, with Reich, Chris, I've always wondered, is there too much on his plate and the entire plate doesn't get the attention it deserves? And again, by that I mean he is the head football coach. Right. And to be a play caller in the NFL, that is a whole nut. A whole enough to be put on one plate. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried about, does he miss things? Does he miss player body language? Does he miss how your assistants coach within a game or coach at practice? Um, you know, it's not like he's watching the defense that much. It's not like he's sitting in on constant defensive meetings. And you look at these teams left in the playoffs, so many of them are led by kind of that CEO type of coach and I just think that is the best avenue to go about things. Um, you know, is he hesitant to be accountable for Eberflus' side of the ball because that wasn't really his hire? You know, that's always something. I'm, I was that's a that's a you know forced marriage. Like that, True. It, it's just kind of weird to me. Um, the last two weeks, Chris. Congrats to the Raiders on making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Touchdown favorite at home against them. Two touchdown favorite on the road. Two interim coaches. It's not like you were playing the Chiefs and the Packers. Right. You know, it's – I like Frank as um, 
his offensive mind. I don't know. Some of you might not care about it. I think I have said this to so many people. Frank is like a top five human being that I've ever met. <laughs> and I mean, this in all seriousness, yeah. I, I'm sure you guys can sense that. But yeah, man, it just, where's the fire? And I mean this for the entire operation. Is it too much coddling? Is it too much player-centric? I understand where it comes from, but it just seems like you need a challenger or two. You need a screw loose or two. You need someone that is going to, you know, light some ass when it needs to be lit. And I'm not sure if that exists. And I thought someone, maybe we had a caller today, brought up a great point. The Dungy area. Obviously, Dungey, very similar to Frank in terms of their temperament. Yeah. Peyton's going to light some ass. I mean, you might argue Peyton had more control than Dungey. Like, and I think Polian, there was a bit of fear. It was a little bit of Polian thinking he was like, you know, an emperor of like, call me Mr. Polian. You know, Ballard, I don't think it's like that. Right. But there was just a little bit of fear. And I think a healthy amount of that is good. It is. It's a high character football team. It's a likable football team what gets you deep into January, you know? Yeah. Um, I think finding the right balance there. I totally get the high character, um, but I think finding a little bit more of a mesh with that, coaching staff, player, personnel, whatever, I think would be welcomed. I don't I don't recall many in-season moves, roster moves, really, for this team this season. You know, I don't know if, you know, not saying that would have saved anything, but, like, you know, just not a lot of ruffling of feathers. Yeah. A lot of, Seems like a lot of contentment to what we do. And I'm a big believer in results need to impact process. We're talking first-year head coach, first-year GM. I'm not expecting you to have all the answers. I'm expecting you to learn and react. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they've learned and reacted enough. Well, let's stay there with a question from Isaac because he understands after the devastating loss, that's completely inexcusable. How do you evaluate Frank Reich and Chris Ballard after this season? says, I feel like they should both be held accountable for the disaster of Carson Wentz at the crucial moments of the season. However, he can't think of many coaches and GMs he'd rather have. Very torn on it. Can they bring a championship to Indianapolis? Doesn't really know. Isaac, I think that sums up a lot of Colts fans. And honestly, it sums up a lot of my thought right now. The, the, The key here, Chris, and Isaac points it out, is can you make upgrades? And again, I'm not talking just Reich and Ballard. The same argument could be had for any yeah. player, Eberflu, like whoever. You know, I see Brian Flores get fired today, Chris, and I'm thinking I take Brian Flores here as a head coach. Absolutely, he's not going to be out there for long. Frank, you want to be offense coordinator? Yeah. You, you know, I and I know that the odds of that happening are something to none, but that's something that I'm thinking to myself. That Miami roster, the talent on that versus the talent here in Indy. Yeah, you know, it just. I go back to the extensions. Extensions for this. If Jim Irsay can look in the mirror and realize that, oh my gosh, I gave them unprecedented contract extensions thinking greatness was going to be there and this was the result, how does that not lead to some sort of accountability? Um, And again, I go back to the failed season, Chris. No matter how you want to check the box, win-loss record, playoff appearance, fail. Answer on wins, fail. Going into this offseason with the most important resource a franchise can have, a.k.a. your first-round pick, especially when you don't make the playoffs, and was it 16 overall, I believe it is? 
Go on. Kevin, Matt is a huge Frank believer for what it's worth, but he wants to know, is it safe to say that Frank Wright and Carson Wentz have have one more year to figure it out to win a playoff game, or are they both done in Indianapolis? My 24-hour raw emotion guess is one more year. Yeah. And when I say that, I sound like a student section chanting that at a, <laughs> one, one more year, year. <laughs> come on back, NIL. Woo. <laughs> um, but again, how my raw emotion answer was at hour three of this 24-hour period and how it is at hour 20 has softened a bit. So I don't want people to sit here and say, I'm walking away thinking this is gospel and Frank Reich and Carson Wentz are father and son duo running it back for mm-hmm. a second year. Speaking of father-son duo, Chris, what I would do, and this might sound creepy, this might sound weird, if I were Jim Irsay, you know, a week or two goes by, I'd bring Frank into my office. I'd hook him up to a lie detector test. I know, sounds weird. <laughs> and I'd play back his press conference from yesterday afternoon, and in particular his answers about Carson Wentz. And I'd say, Frank, walk me through the honesty, walk me through the you're talking about your son in that answer. Because then I hear it, and you guys can go back, watch it on Colts, or, right. you know, Colts YouTube page, whatever, and, and the other answer they all say how much they respect T.Y. Hilton, his leadership. <laughs> Go listen to Hilton. And do you see the tweet Hilton's liking last night? I know people are blowing yeah. me up of you know pictures of luck and all that, blah, blah, blah. Like, you kind of hold that feet to the fire and say, please be honest. I know you have conviction. I know you have belief. I know you love Carson Wentz. But let's say Carson Wentz's name is Kevin Presley or Chris Bowen. Right. Now. What's your answer? And I just think you would get a different sound. You know, obviously, Reich is going to... Reich will play a beautiful game later today, and he'll hedge the answer beautifully. Carson did a lot of good things, but every person on this roster is evaluated. Something along those lines is coming in, you know, two, three hours. But that tone to me, Chris, it's some Jacoby Brissett to Phillip Rivers tone. That's what I'm getting. I'm not as like, they're done with Brissett. I'm not in that camp just yet, but I just think there's a little bit more there of, you know, when you talk about quarterback, you need your quarterback, Chris, to cover up other areas of the roster. It, it, it's too hard to make everything else good. Yeah. It's just, that's not how the, and that's why we love about the NFL. Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect. And the mechanics of building a roster is so difficult. So you need your QB to cover up a little bit. Well, this team has had to cover up too much for their QB. And I think when you start to have those honest conversations with Frank and you get Frank locked into kind of the offensive QB mind of his, I think you might get an answer that's a little bit different than it's Carson, you know? Yeah, and the worst part about being the butt of the joke yesterday in the NFL is we're starting to get into, as you said before, that quarterback carousel. I had my brother-in-law's texting me like, you know, you can go get Matt Ryan. It's like, I, I don't want to go keep getting quarterbacks. I want to have my quarterback. Yeah, that's it's a great point, Chris. And again, that goes back to the quarterback purgatory. And I wrote this in one of the pieces I posted yesterday. You look at the AFC right now, and you look at the seven teams that are in the playoffs. I think all of them, outside of Pittsburgh, feels pretty good about their quarterback situation. Some yeah. feel, obviously, great. Um, I would say wherever Deshaun Watson ends up, that team will feel pretty good about their quarterback situation. 
you know, Justin Herbert and the Chargers obviously feel good. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens obviously feel good. It, I mean, that's I just named half the AFC, Chris. Yeah, you know, and, and the Colts aren't, aren't aren't in that boat. And if you do believe in wins again, you're missing out on a valuable playoff experience. And we know with Peyton and Andrew, we we watch it. It takes years of playoff experience to feel mm-hmm. what all that is about there. So. Um, Matt, it, it's a tough question, and I, I'm trying to be as honest as I can with you guys right now, and I wish I had more clarity on it. We all do. It, it's a bit stunning to me, so it's a lot of raw emotion. I'm trying to throw in a little bit of, you know, I just don't say shit just to say shit, mm-hmm. and you guys know how I roll with that, but um, that's what I would do if I were saying reacting to Reich and his, and his, uh, his opinion. Kevin, got another question from across the pond. This one comes from Germany and Ufuk. Um, apologize if I mispronounce your name. I Germany, know you, I think they're getting a game next year. Yeah, they are. And I know that you've written into us before, so appreciate you continuing to come back. Wants to know what is more disappointing, the lack of execution from the offense or that we gave up 26 points to a team that scored just 10 points to the Patriots? And from a defensive perspective, what's the bigger neckbreaker, the secondary or the lack of the pass rush? Man, on your first one, I would say it's the latter. I would say it's the G- the Colts D versus the Jags O. I mean, Jacksonville came into the game with what? One game over 17 since their bye week. They've been atro- I mean they, they averaged 14 points per game, Chris. It's they were they were atrocious and we made them look good. Yeah. Uh, spy could could not have said it better. Uh pass rusher secondary, I'm going pass rush. Again, so much invested. Handful of rookie rushers that had better seasons with with Quiddy Pay than Quiddy Pay, I should say. Um, you see how many sacks Nico Autry had this year in Tennessee, Chris? I did not. Let's see, round ten. Nine. How many for Buckner? Buckner had seven, right? Why? You know why was Autry let go? <laughs> you know, it just um, the pass rush investment. If there is one area, Chris, that I think directly deserves immediate accountability, it's probably the pass rush. I, I, I need an answer. Since day one, Chris Bauer has spent on the pass rush, primarily yeah. in the draft, but I would say good amount in free agency as well. You know, if you throw in Buckner, six picks in the first three rounds on the D-line, five of them in the first two rounds, that is a crazy, yes. crazy amount of investment. And it is library it looks like Ro- the Colts pass rush trying to go after Trevor Lawrence <laughs> looks like Rosie and Santa Claus no part of it calls him ho-ho and I mean we don't get within 30 feet of ho yeah we don't we stand back and daddy creeps forward a few steps and the grip on my arm gets tighter yep and that I feel that way about the Colts and their pass rush so Where's the answer, Chris? Not drafting the right guys? Not developing them? Both? You know, I mean, I'm seeing Terrell Basham produce some sacks for the Cowboys. You know, I, I, I'm seeing Autry, you know, still do it. And it's not like Autry, you know, is some spring chicken, but he certainly would have helped you out this season. And Is it a culture thing? Like, what is it that when when players leave and go to a different organ? I mean, obviously you have well, different Well, I, I think Autry, it was finance. I, I think it was... I believe I have this right. I think Tennessee upped kind of the guaranteed money, which I get. Autry's undrafted. I'm pretty sure he's undrafted, like seventh round, late late round pick. Um, 
and then also, you know, he's 30 or he obviously wants to cash in. But again, that comes back to the Colts and their approach with free agency. Chris Bowers done a lot of good in free agency, a lot of good. He just doesn't use it enough. Like, he has this such a defined standard of, like, here's the price, I'm not wavering. Sometimes you got to adjust. That blueprint, it's not necessarily the blueprint year in and year out on an, on an annual basis. So is this the season you think we do that? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I mean, with the money, though. It's a fair question, Chris. I'm going to hold that one for, for, for future pods. Question from Colt Maniac. He wants you to rate the reasons why we lost the last two games. Number one, defensive coordinator. Number two, Frank Reich. Number three, Carson Wentz. Number four, lack of the pass rush. Great question, right? Yep. Um, you could probably group Reich and Wentz together in D.C. and pass rush together, I would think. Um, they kind of go hand in hand a bit. Um, I'd put Reich one. I mean, he's the head coach of the football team. Head coach of the football team. Charge of the entire operation. And that's what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, 23 combined point favorite in two games, and you lose them both, and you get your ass kicked. Um, I don't even know if ass kicked is – ass kicked might be too light, honestly, to describe what yeah. happened yesterday. Uh, so I'd say Reich, I'd probably go Wentz too. There's just – sorry, there's just more on the quarterback plate. First-round pick, third-round pick, 20-some million, there's more on his plate. He's got the best running back in the NFL. Uh, I'd go uh, Eberflus three and pass rush four. But, again, those are, I mean, hand in hand. Yeah. All right, about five more. This one's from Jason. He knows uh, or he wants to talk about Carson Wentz. Okay. If we're most likely stuck with Carson next season, he thinks that quarterback coach Scott Milanovic and Press Taylor seem like the candidates who should be fired because Wentz mechanics has regressed down the stretch with quarterback coach. And Taylor seems too close to the situation in Philly and now in Indy. Needs a fresh voice from the outside in Frank Reich's circle to be replacements. What are your thoughts on bringing in just outsider perspectives? Yeah, Jason, I mean, I, inevitably there's got to be some assistant changes, you would think. Like, is that enough, though? You know, that's kind of something I also think there. And, like, you know, are these voices going to challenge you? You know, I just... I'd like to think Frank and Chris, and I do think this, they create a culture to where they want challenging voices and, like, they're open. They don't – they aren't defiant and, like, they aren't listening to that. But I just think naturally when you have a Reich-Wentz relationship, you are a little bit hesitant to maybe, you know, truly speak and express your full opinion. I mean, we've all been there. Like, you know, your boss is like, all right, what, what do you think about this person? <laughs> right. Well, um, <laughs> you know, not trying to be mean here, but, you know, like – To me, that's just like not enough. I, the whole Wince, you know, part of me thinks, part of me sits here and thinks this, Chris. What about a full training camp for Wince? What about mm-hmm. improved wide out and tight end play? Uh, personnel, I should say, over play. Well, both. But then I'm like, wait, they don't have the resources to go out there and spend huge at wide out or tight end. And like, you know, as much as I sit here and think, okay, what could, you know, three or four weeks of Wince practice do I just watched him taper off like none like his dip this season when he got healthier and the schedule got easier I'm like so it's you're gonna have to make a difficult difficult decision um you know if you're gonna go assistant route I guess that those are some tweaks but again like are those enough and I think it's to me I think it's a Reich Brady mandate down to those people below him and I don't know, maybe you bring in those people that are going to challenge them, but 
Jason, I'm sorry, man. I, I don't have a good answer for you. Kevin, this one comes from Brian. The Colts made a point about being about relationships with extensions to Frank Reich and Chris Ballard last offseason, as we mentioned earlier in this podcast. Will blame finally fall on Reich or Ballard? Seven pro bowlers are great, but they are non-difference maker positions. Not in the modern day in NFL. Does this all go back to drafting a guard sixth overall? Brian, I think over the years I've gotten a good amount of pushback from fans about my um, reason to question Chris Ballard's approach. This pretty much sums it up. You know, are you built the right way? The building with this blueprint I think has been decent, but is this a house that's built to be, you know, a duplex on a college campus and not a mansion on Geist. Yeah. You know, and that gosh, Jake Query is really rubbing off on me <laughs> that I that I went, went down that path. Um, think about it this way, Chris. The NBA, traditional big guys, gone, dinosaurs, you know, yeah. extinct. Major League Baseball, you play small ball? No, no, no. Uh, we're going to have good starting pitching? No, no, no. Like, home run and bullpen. Mm-hmm. So, I love golf. Swing speed. How far you hit it? Go and find it. Like, just hit it. If it goes in the rough, just go find it. And, you know, if you hit it further than everybody else, you'll be fine. Um, I could push back a little bit against golf, but, you know, that would be way too boring <laughs> for anyone to, to uh, hear. The NFL aspect, it's such a passing league. The rules cater to it. Just like the rules cater to wings and guards, right. ability to drive, and you can't touch them and all that. So you think about the passing positions on an NFL roster. Quarterback, wide out, left tackle. The end corner. Let those five positions simmer in your head. Quarterback, future. Wide receiver, future. Okay, maybe Pittman. Yeah, definitely. Definitely him, but who else? Left tackle, future. DN, you hope. I actually thought Dio had a couple nice moves the other day, but um on Sunday, but granted, he's a little bit more of an interior guy. But again, DN, no one. I mean, Kamoko Terry's in a contract here. Are you bringing him? You know, corner. Like, you know, who who are your outside guys of the future? Rock? Did he? Did he yeah, I think he took a step. Isaiah Rogers? Yeah, I think so. But like, you know, you talk about those five positions, and it pales in comparison to how you would feel about linebacker or running back or guard or even safety. You know, assuming Blackman comes back right. from. The torn Achilles. So that's where I get at Ballard in that it's not that he has made massive mistakes or, you know, swung and missed on 80% of his draft pick. No, 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 that's not true. I think a lot of it comes back to that opening press conference. We're not going to be about one guy. Well, that sounds good in building a 53-man roster, but what's the reality of this league? A lot of it is just, do you have that one guy, and then how well can you support that one guy. I feel like the Colts have supported decently well, but the support for that one first off, the guy I don't think is the right guy, Wentz. Mm-hmm. And the support for him, wide out, left tackle, isn't at the level that you need either moving forward. So And that's exactly what it is. it's a, it's support. How long can you support someone? Yeah. You shouldn't it, have to support your main guy. Right. You know, I, I again I think that position has got to cover up others. So are you built the right way? I think that's a question of the offseason. Yeah. No, that was, that was a good way to look. I never looked at it that way. That's that's great breakdown. Thank you. 
All right, from Johnny. Hey, couple of questions for the podcast. Firstly, do you have any good therapists, Kevin? <laughs> yeah. Johnny, I'm sorry, man. Well, yeah, welcome. And secondly, how in the name of all that is holy did that happen yesterday? You know, I I still think it's a nightmare, man. I I do. I like. You know, I uh, buddy of mine sat behind me at church yesterday morning. He's like. <laughs> We're going to the Super Bowl. I'm like, okay. And then he's like, I mean, there's no way we lose today. And I was like, my my brother-in-law is a high school quarterback. I'm like, Matt Lubbers could be starting today. And we would, you know, Colts. Right. <laughs> and boy, I'm like, jeez. I, I, re- I regret those comments. The now. prayers were not strong enough No, yesterday. no. I don't know. Maybe Jacksonville had a little few more. But yeah, man. Johnny, I don't know. I hope that, you know, I, I do think this is a bit of therapy for fans. I If you've listened this far in. Thank you. Um, we do this podcast because you never know what the script is going to be. Yeah. And unfortunately, you got to do it when it's really, really bad as much as you do it when it's really, really good. And um, again, I know that our numbers will probably be a little bit different for this podcast than it was if we were previewing a wild card game or something like that. But yep. we owe it to you to keep keep coming with them. So we will continue to do it all off season long. And field all the questions i know some of you will, will will tune us out totally understand it you're gonna you're gonna take a break or whatnot we'll try to come up with organic and creative ways to talk about this stuff on a weekly basis but thank you for the question johnny yeah what do we got three more three more tm cool. wants to know so with that catastrophic catastrophic embarrassment and failure to win two straight games at the end of the season one at home against the raiders obviously yesterday against jacksonville who is to blame and who is to answer for it? Yeah, again, a very difficult question. I am curious to see how it plays out. I'm curious. I, I probably am speaking a little bit more from my own thinking with this, but what about Matt Eberflus? Right. Who answers for the pass rush? I keep on coming back to that. I also think, and again, this goes back to the Ursay. You know, by the way, the Ursay playing videos with with Drake the dog are. <laughs> I literally cannot get enough of them. Um, Ursay's been a hit all, all year oh, on social media. Constantly. Um, there's, there's supposed to be a good amount of Ursay stuff on in Hard Knocks coming up here. We'll okay. we'll, uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, anyways, Chris, seven Pro Bowlers. Mm-hmm. Most in the league. Um, easily the best running back in the NFL. Defensive player of the year. Candidate. Right. Better than average special teams. Nine and eight. You know, I mean, I'm going to look up a couple quick things. Okay. As we're doing this, this kind of gets back to how you're built, Chris. I'm going to pull up the top rushers in the NFL this year. Jonathan Taylor, obviously, numero uno. Right. Jeez, by almost 600 yards. Nick <laughs> Chubb, too. Is Nick Chubb playing this weekend? No. Joe Mixon is. Najee Harris, by the skin of his teeth, is. Right. Dalvin Cook is a no. Nope. Antonio Gibson is a no. So that is, of your top six rushers, four of them not. Mm-hmm. And Najee Harris is a, you know, Daniel Carlson miss away from being out. Right. Um. It just keeps on coming back to how you're built, you know? It is that... The right way. I was curious where the Colts ended up schedule strength this season. I know there's a lot of debate on that. 1, 2, got it here. 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10. 10th in the AFC. So 10th uh, easiest schedule in the AFC. So 
I think that kind of adds to the disappointment of, mm-hmm. you know, where you're at with uh, with how this season ended. Yeah, and I mean, I think looking back at it, yeah, we have the Cardinals, Patriots, Bills, wins. Easiest, sorry. Either one of those could go in another way. Like I think the Colts were pretty much primed to to finish at the the where they were in terms of nine and eight. Yeah, I mean, I I was eleven and five at the start of the year, or whatever it is, eleven and I guess eleven and five. After that start, I mean, doesn't so. add up. But yeah, eleven and six. Yeah. All right, let's go to flipping. Please, God, tell me we won't run this back in terms of the team, the coaches, management. You take it from there. You know, seeing Brian Flores' name out there, I'd exhaust a whole lot of resources and get him in my building. I'd uh, I'd exhaust some of thinking about making a move at head coach. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds probably a bit outlandish to some people. Um, and I think Frank's offensive mind is brilliant. I think Frank's temperament is something that, is good to have at times. I think steadiness is important, but I also think you got to blend a little bit of that. Um, you know, you look at the firings of Mike Zimmer, Vic Fangio, Brian Flores, all defensive coaches. Can you make an upgrade? You know, because that, you know, we can talk about are you the answer, are you not, but can you make an upgrade? Yeah. And obviously there's a lot of debate about Wentz with that. Um, to me, I see upgrades on the defensive coordinator front. So, that's where I would be going. And I keep on get, coming back to Flippin's question. Please tell me we won't run this back. Results impact process. I know that that might not be a quote that you plaster on like a head coaching wall, but it has to. You know, you're a first-time – Chris, if you listen to the podcast, the first time Joey Molinaro and I did this for a couple of weeks, we made changes. When you are a first-time head coach and a first-time general manager, you have to have tweaks to the operation. Bowed with free agency? None. None. You know, I mean, it's been status quo. When you talk about the coordinators and you talk about, you know, kind of spicing things up there, I I've, I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but arguably the biggest move Brian Kelly made in getting the Notre Dame tenure to the level he got them to, about a handful of years ago, Brian Kelly fired Paul Longo, the strength and conditioning pro coach. Mm-hmm. Paul Longo was in Brian Kelly's wedding. You know full well, Chris, how important strength and conditioning coaches are. Just, hell, watch the game tonight. You'll see nine of them holding back <laughs> in various Alabama and right. Georgia assistant coaches. But in all seriousness, that's a big, big hire for a college football program. Brian Kelly, decent start at Notre Dame, nothing earth-shattering, you know, decent. How do we get higher? How do we get to a bigger level? He thought he needed some fresh blood into that key hiring role. It's kind of how I feel about the Eberflus situation. There's a lot of things that I like about him. A lot of things I've come around on. Honestly, Sunday was kind of the outlier in terms of how the defense has approached things recently. Um, it was almost like a let's let them beat us instead of dictating to them, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not this guy was in my wedding sort of feeling. And I don't know, maybe it's a Ballard call. Ballard hired Eberflus, you know? Um, Ballard wanted this defense, but... Sometimes you've got to make the non-obvious, easy decision that could ruffle some feathers, that could get some pushback. Hell, I, I, I don't think it would get much, but you know what I'm saying. Right, yeah. To reach a higher mountain. You know, yeah. I, I'm not in the Larry Bird, a voice gets tired after whatever, <laughs> four years or whatever Larry's quote was when he fired Vogel, but I think just a little bit of life, a little bit of 
new new voice, new message, new approach. Could do something. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that voice and the message with our final question from Daniel. Going back to the quarterback play with Carson Wentz, he's been on the hate train all year. Mm-hmm. Feels like Taylor took this team to nine wins. Feels like Wentz has been erratic, frustrating quarterback, one of the most that he's ever watched play. Showed a lack of leadership all season and couldn't put the team on his back when needed, aside from that Arizona drive. Where do the Colts go from here? I'm assuming he'll be the starter on opening day next year. But but will there be a capable backup if needed? Thanks. Keep up the great work. Daniel, I'm going to end on this, and I don't know. It's probably dumb of me to even go down this path here. but And I'm not going to get into a vaccinated, unvaccinated debate. But, Chris, it is interesting that easily your most horrific two-week stretch of the season came when so many key guys mispractice, if nothing else. Who knows how their health felt, Right, you know, symptomatic, asymptomatic, whatnot. I don't know the answer to that. But just mispractice. And we saw hard knocks show that mm-hmm. big time last episode. You know, Darius Leonard's comments, Frank Craig's comments. You, you, you do wonder um, how much that had an impact um, I can just see the YouTube comments now. Um, okay, uh, he's assuming that Wentz will be the starter, but where there'll be a capable backup. I mean, I don't know. Is Ellinger a capable backup? I don't know. I, Daniel, I, I'm for those of you that are wanting Wentz to be gone, uh, my opinion at 8 p.m. Sunday is a little bit different than it is now. I, now, there's no easy answer for who else, you know? Yeah. Um, because you don't have the first-round pick, which is such an important piece to dangle in trades, uh, even if it's not you know top ten. But like, you know, Russell Wilson or Rodgers or I don't know whoever else. I don't even know the other QBs that could potentially be out there. Obviously, the draft doesn't offer a whole lot. I wouldn't mind seeing a decently high pick spent on a draft pick that has some unte- unteachable traits. Ellinger, I think, has a lot of defined kind of ceiling traits that you just kind of know where they are. I'd like a little bit more raw potential. Um, but then again, I sit here and say that, Chris, and I'm like, that's such a long-term move. Are you throwing away 2022 if you spend your second-round pick on a quarterback that you like that well, yeah. guy's traits? You know, now and you're— you say raw potential, I mean, that's what Eason was, right? Touche. And then if if how long is Frank going to be here? So they go hand-in-hand in, hand in terms of your offensive coordinator slash head coach and then— a quarterback, so touche. Um, I think it's a really good point. Um, I got some Colt player interviews coming up in about ten minutes, so all right, I'll wrap with this, Chris. Thank you to everyone listening. Um, yeah, I tweeted out last night just the suddenness of NFL season. It's it's just it is stunning. Suddenness mm. is stunning when it happens. You just sit there, and I woke up today. I'm like, this is the last Monday I will drive into work, recapping a game. Granted, we didn't recap much uh, for nine, ten months, and I hate it. I mean, I love doing what I'm doing. And I just I, I didn't expect it, and I know how much, as fans, this sucks. The NFL, more than anything, in one-and-done life, you never know when that year is going to be the year when your team gets on a run. So, um, again, like I said earlier, I know a lot of you will probably tune us out, which is totally understandable. We are still here. We'll be here on a weekly basis. The written content will be here. The morning show, 7 to 10 a.m. We welcome your questions. The DMs are open. Uh, phone lines are open on the um, on the airwaves as well. Chris, thank you for all your effort this year. I know at times the schedule's been – you've 
taking a bigger role here, uh, which is kudos to you at our station. So thank you. Yeah, for absolutely. Continuing, continuing to make this a priority, it means a lot to me. Um, and just lastly, it, it just it's not how I thought this season would end. Did I think the Colts would bow out in round one? Yeah, probably, but not again ending the magnitude that it just ended. Um, I can't watch that game yesterday and not end this podcast on a positive note or whatever. The season was a failure. It was a failure in missing the playoffs, and now your division drought running seven years. It was a failure in that you're uncertain at quarterback now, what, going into your fourth season, removed from Andrew Luck in that retirement, and uh, your most important resource in a first-round pick is gone as well. So it sucks. Um, Sorry, Colts fans. We'll be with you all off-season long. Thank you for listening to Kevin's Corner. We'll be back next week with another off-season edition of the podcast. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.